0: I think we have already some good takeaways from our service today. I was thinking as I was listening to Alan and uh, Brother Craig speak this morning, one of the things that sticks out to me is this. Whether it's baseball, whether it's riding a motorcycle, riding a bike, working in a museum like Mrs. Miller does, all of those are opportunities to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, sometimes we try to force that, but the reality is, whatever you do, whatever your job is, whatever you do for a hobby, those are all opportunities to share about the cross that we've just sung about. And so I praise God that people take opportunities. And the problem is, sometimes we don't take those opportunities, do we? Like we need to. But everything you do in life is an opportunity to share. The good news of Jesus Christ. I think of Eleanor Jackson who went home to be with the Lord this week. Our oldest member, she would have been a 100 in three months. And uh, later in life, her husband had passed away. And did she say, well, I think I'll just retire and call it quits and just enjoy life? No. She went to Alaska as a missionary and served God in Alaska. And uh, what a phenomenal lady Uh, there wasn't much that she hadn't done up there besides being on a dog sled and going to remote villages and ministering to women and I I appreciated the time that I had to get to know Eleanor her services will be next Friday right here Uh, there'll be a viewing at the funeral home in Mount Joy on Thursday night a viewing here from 12 to 1 a one o'clock service and then out to the cemetery and then back here for a meal for the family we do need some help. If you'd be willing to help with that meal, Denny Dragas is heading that up. So uh, please see Denny, Denny this morning and uh, let him know that you can help him. Uh, Cheryl, just wave your hand in the back. You might just stand up so people can see. This is her, uh, Eleanor's daughter, Cheryl. Yeah, short, like, uh, like her mom. But it's good to have her in our services. She goes to 10th Street Press in Philadelphia. And she's, of course, been here this week as her mom went home to be with the Lord. So let's just stop and pray this morning for the Jackson family at this time. Father, we thank you that though there was sadness here on Thursday afternoon in heaven, there was rejoicing as one of yours came home. Lord, I thank you for the life of Eleanor Jackson. Lord, I thank you for uh, later in life that, uh, Lord, she gave her life to missions ...and went to Alaska and served you there for 25 years. Father, I, Lord, thank you that you gave her many, many years to live. And, Lord, I pray right now that you be with uh, Cheryl and her brothers and you might minister grace. And, uh, Lord, to those who took care of her and ministered to her in these last weeks, I pray you might minister grace. And, Father, I pray that even through the service this uh, Friday... We know that it would be Eleanor's desire to have someone come to Christ. And so we pray not only comfort for the family, but that someone who comes might come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. So, Father, again, may you minister grace to this dear family. It's in the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Well, take your Bibles, turn to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 8 this morning. Romans chapter 8. Everything has a source of power, if you would. We're sitting here today because we have something that hopefully is thumping in our chest, right? That's why you're here, because you have a heart that is thumping and moving. It is the source of power. Machines have sources of power. Sometimes that power is from electric Sometimes that power comes from batteries. Sometimes that power comes from water. Sometimes that is solar power, but everything is driven by power. Uh, if you watch the news a little over a week ago, one of the big things that was trending on Facebook and all over the news was the big news about Hitchbutt. Now if you don't know who Hitchbutt is, we're going to put his picture up there for you. Uh, he was a robot. Uh, that had hitchhiked pretty much all over Europe he had been in Germany he had been in the Netherlands and uh, finally made his way back to Canada and uh, he made his way around by hitchhiking and he was a robot driven by a empowered by a computer that was inside of him a laptop and uh, there he is he got a ride he started off in Canada, made his way down the East Coast, and sometime last week made it into the city of brotherly love we know as Philadelphia, and it was there that he met his demise. You can, There he is. He was left uh, one evening by somebody who had put him on a park bench, hoping that somebody would pick him up and continue his journey through the United States hitchhiking and make it to San Francisco. But he came to a demise. His head was cut off and the laptop was stolen. His source of power was what? Gone. And there he lies dead by the side of the road in Philly, the city of brotherly love. I thought that was funny. But he, he, he can't do anything. Why? Because his source of power is gone. Well, if you sit here this morning and you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior you claim to believe that Christ died on the cross for your sin, he was buried, he rose again the third day, and you're on your way to heaven, you have a source of power also. And that source of power is God and the person of the Holy Spirit that indwells us. But the problem is, I believe that the Holy Spirit is the most neglected part of the Godhead. Some years ago, Francis Chan wrote a book called The Forgotten God, subtitled Reversing Our Tragic Neglect of the Holy Spirit. Listen to the first few words of Francis Chan's book. From my perspective, the Holy Spirit is tragically neglected and for all practical purposes, forgotten. While no evangelical would deny his existence, I will bet there are millions of churchgoers across America who cannot confidently say they have experienced his presence or actions in their lives over the past year, and many of them do not believe they can. The benchmark of success in the church service has become more about attendance than the movement of the Holy Spirit. The entertainment model of the church was largely adopted in the 1980s and in the 90s, and while it alleviated some of our boredom for a couple of hours a week, it filled our churches with self-focused consumers rather than self-sacrificing servants attended to the Holy Spirit. That's the first remarks of his book. It's a great read. The Forgotten God, if you've never read it, you ought to pick it up and read it. As we've been working our way through the book of Romans, we know that we've established the fact that we are sinners. We know that we established the fact that we are justified by faith and faith alone. And then Christ begins his work of sanctification. In Romans 7, we learned about that great struggle that Paul has and every one of us have as we struggle with the flesh. When we come to know Christ as our Savior, the old man passes away. Behold, all things become new, yet we still live in this fleshly body, which is the beachhead of sin. Paul said, the things I don't want to do, I do. The things I do want to do, I don't do. And so there's this struggle. At the end of Romans 7, he says, who's going to deliver us from this struggle? And he says, Jesus Christ. And listen, on Thursday afternoon at 3 o'clock, Eleanor Jackson no longer struggled with sin. She was delivered finally once and for all from sin. That's when total victory comes. Not now. You're not going to have victory totally today. You're not going to have total victory tomorrow. You're going to struggle with sin. You're going to sin sometimes because of the flesh. But here's the good news. Therefore, they're what? That was really weak. Therefore, there is now what? No condemnation to those who live in Christ Jesus. Even though you've sinned and you will sin, there is no condemnation. And we drove that point home to you last week. It doesn't take away the fact that we still live in this flesh. It doesn't take away the fact that we're going to struggle with sin But, listen, God, in all of his wisdom, knew there was no way that you could possibly live the Christian life successfully by yourself. So he provided for you a power source. Now, I want you to take your outline, if you would. You have your outline? I want you to take it and put it in the very back of your Bible, and don't even look at it. Because I'm just going to be frustrated if I look at it today, and you're going to be frustrated if you look at it today. I'll, we will fill the answers in, and we will put it up online for you to look at it. But I don't want to be tied to it this morning, and our time is a little less, And uh, but I think having our missionaries have an Allen report is very important for us as a church to do. But I don't want you to be frustrated to say, well, really, well, you know, Why aren't they? Guys, don't even roll anything. We'll just stay right on this slide right here, and uh, don't worry about your notes, okay? So I want to share with you for a few minutes this morning. Paul is saying, listen, you can't do this yourself. And so, listen, I want to read to you, and let me start in verse 5. He says, "Though," or we'll go back to verse 4. In order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us, "...who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit." He says that we need to live according to the Spirit. He's talking about the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. "...those who live according to the sinful nature have their mind set on what the nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires." Now Paul just jumps right in here, thinking, listen, these people know about the Spirit. I, I'm not going to take that for granted this morning. I want to go back, and I want to give you a few facts about the Holy Spirit that I want you to walk away with, and I want you to think about this morning. And so here they are. First of all, first of all, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the triune Godhead. He's co-equal, co-substantial, co-eternal. He is equal with God the Father and God the Son. 2 Corinthians 13, 14 says this, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Now, the fellowship. We know that God the Father is in heaven, sitting on the throne, overseeing. He is the sovereign God who controls everything. We know that Jesus ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father as your lawyer, my lawyer, making ad- as our adversary in heaven. And so when Satan comes and accuses and says says to God, "Hey, have you seen have you seen Pastor Dick? Have you seen Pastor John? Have you seen what they've done?" Jesus steps up and says, "Hey, don't talk about them. They're my children." That that sin is under the blood, therefore there is no condemnation to them. That's what Jesus does. And then there's the Holy Spirit. He's co-equal, co-substantial. He was at creation with the Godhead. He's always been a part of the Godhead. He's the sovereign agent in regeneration. He baptizes all believers into the body of Christ. At the moment you ask Jesus Christ into your heart, you are dunked. You are baptized into the body of Christ. You become part of Christ's body. It says we are all baptized into one body by one spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. The third thing is every believer possesses the indwelling of the Holy Spirit from the moment of salvation, First John twenty twenty seven says, "You can't be. There's not twenty chapters in First John, is there? I just realized that. <laughs> okay, First John chapter two verse twenty seven, you have anointed from the Holy One, and that anointing remains in you. At the moment of salvation, at the moment of salvation, you receive the Holy Spirit." It's not a second blessing. It's not something that you get later. At the very moment of salvation, the Holy Spirit, part of the Godhead, comes and lives with inside of you. He is there living in you. Now, it tells us over in the book of Ephesians, it says, listen, it says, "...be not drunk with wine where is an excess, but be," what? "...filled, be controlled with the Holy Spirit." Let me just tell you this morning, you have all of the Holy Spirit that there possibly is to have. At that moment of salvation, you got him all. The question is not how much of the Holy Spirit do you have? The real question is this, how much of you does the Holy Spirit have? Because He lives with inside of you. And I want to ask you a question this morning. I want to ask you, when is the last time that you acknowledged the Holy Spirit living within you? When is the last time that you said, Holy Spirit, take control of me today? Holy Spirit... I need you to control me. When is the last time you've called out to the Godhead, the Holy Spirit who walks with you every moment of every day to control you? I hope you did this morning. Praise God. I want to tell you, you know, let me just ask you, let me, let me talk to you and let me give you an illustration here. In your home, we'll talk to husbands and wives for a minute, in your home... If you never talk to each other, what happens to your relationship? It will what? It will deteriorate. Thank you. So it will deteriorate. And so what does it take? It takes a husband and wife who communicate back and forth and talk and share and go back and forth. And here I have the Godhead, the Holy Spirit, living with inside of me. And do you know why often Christians' lives, their walk with God deteriorates? It's because they never communicate. They never acknowledge the Holy Spirit who's living within them. Hey, do you remember being a kid And doing something and thinking, my parents will never find this out. You ever been there? Yeah, I can do this. I can get away with it. And mom and dad will never know. There's probably not one of us sitting in this room who haven't thought that. But let me ask you the next question. Have you ever thought this? Have you ever thought as a Christian, I can do this and maybe God won't know about it? That's a lie of Satan because everything you do, everything you think, everything you say the Holy Spirit lives within inside of you and he hears it and he experiences it. That's why the Bible says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. And how often do we grieve the Holy Spirit by our sinful lives? How often do we grieve the Holy Spirit by what we watch? How often do we grieve the Holy Spirit by what we listen to? How often do we grieve the Holy Spirit by what we say? by gossip or slander. How often do we do that? How often the one that walks inside of me do we grieve him? Be not drunk with wine whereas in an excess, but be filled, be controlled by the Holy Spirit. And you know, if you went to that portion of Scripture, you don't have to turn there this morning, but there are some proofs that that Scripture gives you that you are filled with the Holy Spirit. If you would read, there's really three of them. It says that you will praise, you will give thanksgiving, and you will, be submit, you will be submissive. It says submitting one to another. Three proofs that I'm filled with the Spirit. Three proofs that I'm controlled. First of all, I will give praise. It talks about a song in my heart that this flows out of my heart. This song just flows. This praise flows. And then the next one is thanks, that we give thanks in all things. And listen, if you're griping, you're not praising. If you're complaining, you're not giving thanks. If you're not willing to submit to the authority that God has put over you, whether it's a husband, whether it's your employer, listen, whether it's the elders, if you're not willing to submit to that authority, you're not living controlled by the Spirit of God. It's that simple. You read it. In Ephesians chapter 5, he lays it out. Paul does pretty clear for us. But as he comes here into this portion of Scripture, he begins to compare, in a sense, walking in the Spirit and walking in the flesh. Look in verse 6. He says, The mind of the sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit of life and peace. The sinful mind is a hostile to God. It does not submit to God, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. Even as a Christian, if you're walking in the flesh and you're not walking in the spirit, you cannot please God. You cannot please him, it says. In verse 9, you, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you, if if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive. He said, listen, this thing of allowing the Holy Spirit control you is about dying to your body, dying to your flesh. Paul drives it home again for us. He drove it home for us back in Romans 6. When he said to what? He said, present your what? Members. Every members of your body, your hands, your feet, everything. Present them over to him for the Holy Spirit to take control and to use. He said, listen, you need to be dead to yourself and allow the Holy Spirit to live through you. That's the only way that you're going to overcome the struggle of sin. That's the only way. And so our mind matters. He talks here, what you set your mind on shapes your life and your character. You either set it on the world or you set it on the Holy Spirit who indwells you. And so for me... For me, and it has to be for you too, for all of us. It has to be a moment-by-moment awareness of the Holy Spirit that indwells you. Over in the book of Revelation, when he writes to the church at Ephesus, and he says, you have left your first love. Here's what it was. They left their first moment-by-moment awareness of God. You remember your first love? You remember what it was like when you fell in love with your husband or your wife? All you could think about was them, wasn't it? I hope. And all you could do. You know, listen, you. you there's a song that was popular when Virginia and I were dating. It talked about, I would climb the highest mountain. I would cross the deepest ocean to get to you. When I went to work, when I went to college, my first year of college, We got engaged. And I tell you, all I could think about my freshman year was Virginia. She would send me a love letter. It would come every day. I'd pick it up right after lunch. And then I would go to my English class, and I would read her love letters every day. That's why my English is horrible. Anybody who works for me knows that. Anybody, when when I write, you know it. I start, I write six pages, and I put a period. That's What I do, if punctuation isn't needed. Why? Because I spent English reading love letters. Because why? Because I knew she was going to call me, and, and I knew she was going to ask me about them. And, 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 and we would talk about them. And, and listen, that's all I could think about until finally, after that freshman year, I came home, we got married, and then we went back to school. And still, when I was in school, I think about her and wanting to be with her, and that's what it's about. And so, my question to you is how often do you think about the Spirit of God that indwells you? How often throughout the day do you walk and fellowship and talk with the Holy Spirit that lives with inside of you? Or do you go hours and not even acknowledge Him? And then you wonder why you're powerless, then we wonder why you're afraid to witness. And then you wonder why you're afraid to take a stand. And then you wonder why, why do I struggle with sin? It's because you're not acknowledging the power that lives within you. His presence is there. God, in all of his wisdom, gave you the Holy Spirit to dwell with inside of you. And Paul lays it out here. He lays it out and he says, listen, your mind is either set on the things of this world or your mind is set on the Spirit of God who indwells you. Hey, Christian, here's what we need to do. Because for me, I know I can be walking in the power of the Spirit. I can sense that power. I can feel it. You know, you're saying, you Pentecostal. Listen, I can feel the power of God. When I sit down and I read God's Word and the Holy Spirit enlightens that Word, man, I can sense it. I can sense it. A week ago, when I had that privilege of leading the caretaker of Jean Snave, to the Lord, I came out of there, and I could sense it was the Holy Spirit who did that. He set that arrangement up. He had her heart ready. All I had to do was share. That was the Spirit of God, and I came out of there. I got in my car, and I yelled. I was Pentecostal for a few minutes <laughs> because God was moving through His Spirit. And listen, when you experience that, and when you sense the Spirit of God moving, you want that more than anything. And and I want to know God through His Word, through meditation, through memorization, and the power of the Word of God working through the Holy Spirit helps me to live this Christian life. And we ignore Him. We ignore Him. We'll go a whole day and not even talk to the Holy Spirit that lives within us. He is the most forgotten part of the Godhead. How do we do it? First of all, listen, when we sin, we need to confess it right away. I know when I sin, immediately I confess it. And then I yield. I yield and I say, Holy Spirit, God, I've sinned against you. Will you please forgive me? And then I say, Holy Spirit, will you please take control again? I say that hundreds of times. that's what it is. It's confessing, yielding, and asking. So here's my challenge to you this week as we close. Will you keep a short sin sinless? Will you confess anything that you do? And then at the, that moment, will you again yield yourself and ask the Holy Spirit that lives within you to take control again? Listen, he's not. we're not a robot. God gave you a free will, and sometimes that's the problem, and that free will chooses to set your mind on the world or to set your mind on the Holy Spirit. And then Paul ends this chapter. He doesn't end the chapter. John's going to continue to preach it in two weeks. But he tells you, why? Why do you need to do this? Why? why, why? And he says, "You here's the good thing. You, you, you're adopted into the family of God. God made you his own child. He's given you authority. He's given you power. He's given you significance. And because of that, you ought to sense an obligation to want to allow him to control you all the time. You've been adopted. When you're adopted into the family, that family takes over. They control everything about you. And so because I've been adopted into the family of God, and I have God living within, Jesus living within, or God and Jesus through the Holy Spirit living within me, I have the privilege to live the Christian life, not in my power, but in his power. We're going to close our service a little different today. We're gonna listen to a song, and I want you to listen, I want you to read the words. Very popular song today, great song about the Holy Spirit. When this song is over, we're just gonna get up and leave. But I want you to read the words. Nicole Battistelli is her name. It's called, what is it? Francesca, Francesca. thank you. I gotta thank you. Francesca Battistelli, great song about the presence of the Holy Spirit. Church, we need to go out of here today living the presence of the Holy Spirit. When it's over, you're dismissed. Live this week controlled not by the flesh, but by the Spirit of God who empowers you
1: There's nothing worth more That could ever come close No thing can compare You're our living hope Your presence, Lord I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone your breath
0: dismissed to walk in the presence of the holy triune God of the Holy Spirit that indwells you. Have a great week.